the body of Christ is on a parallel path with the body of the Antichrist, but in opposite directions. The dire difference in the positions is clear, and the difference becomes ever more glaring at the final culmination of the journeys. A striking example of this parallel but opposite path is Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Conversely, evolution, the god of the world's academics, claims there was a big bang and out of basically nothing popped the earth, its universe, and all the amazing life forms that inhabit it, all formed out of the same inert matter that exploded from nothingness. A striking example is Genesis 1.31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Conversely, evolution, the god of the world's academics, claims a hellish beginning. Science News printed the following paragraph in the February 17, 2018 issue under the heading, Life Had a Chance in Earth's Infancy. Earth's earliest eon, the Hadean, spans the period from about 4.6 billion years ago when the planet was born to 4 billion years ago. The name for the Greek god of the underworld reflects the original conception of the age, dark and hellish and inhospitable to life. But little direct evidence of Hadean asteroid impacts exists, limiting scientists' understanding of how those collisions affected the planet's habitability. End quote. A striking example is John 14, 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Conversely, evolution, the god of the world's academics, tells us devotees that when you're dead, that's all there is. Of course, the Bible tells of a different ending for those of that camp, even eternal cognizant damnation in the lake of fire. The contrast is stark indeed. At God said, man said, this contrast is known as the 180 principle. Take note of these examples. God is life. Satan is death. God is faith. Satan is unbelief. God is love. Satan is hate. God is light. Satan is darkness. God is certainty. Satan is confusion. All like measure, but at opposite ends of the yardstick. God is one, and Satan is 36. Those who follow Jesus Christ, who leads on Route 7 North obedience, end up where he is going, even eternal life in God's new heaven and new earth. Those who follow Satan, who leads on Route 7 South Disobedience, end up where he is going, even eternal damnation in the lake of fire. Joshua, God's great leader of Israel, laid out the options for the Hebrew children in Joshua 24:15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Have you yet to make your decision to follow Jesus Christ? Joshua said, Choose you this day whom ye will serve. 
Choose Jesus Christ, and His saving blood will cleanse you from all your sin and shame. Choose Jesus Christ, the King of kings, and all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken, no matter how formidable they may seem. Today, your new life begins. Today, everything changes, and I mean everything. Follow me in this simple prompt. Are you ready to choose? Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now, for today's subject. God said, Mark sixteen seventeen and 18, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. God said, Acts 2, 1 through 4, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God said, Acts chapter 19, 1 and 2, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Man said, Speaking in tongues is sheer emotionalism. It's foolishness that small-minded Christians participate in. Now the record. God said, man said, does not read and view the Word of God through any particular denominational filter. We are scriptures alone. Since God authored and Moses penned the very first five books of the Bible, there has always been the faithful known as sola scriptura, a Latin term made popular by Martin Luther during the Reformation. Sola Scriptura simply means scriptures alone. Sola Scriptura will not add or subtract. These surely are the very last days. A great shaking is occurring, and it's by God's own hand. Those who are not firmly attached to the tree of life, the cross of Christ, will be lost. Cleave, saints. Acts 11.23 Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Cleave unto the Lord. The first time the word cleave is used in the Scriptures is Genesis 2, verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. The marriage union between a man and his wife is fashioned after Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. Jesus left heaven. He left the beauty of love and glory where he sat on the right hand of God to redeem our doomed souls. As he cleaves unto his bride and we cleave unto him, we become one with the Father, and he brings us home unto his and now our Father's house too. Revelation 19.13 speaks of Jesus Christ and declares, and his name is called the Word of God. Sola Scriptura is the only way to cleave. 
This feature will address a highly polarizing subject, the baptism in the Holy Ghost and speaking in unknown tongues. Just six days prior to the publishing of this feature, U.S. President Donald J. Trump nominated Federal Appeals Court Judge Amy Coney Barrett to replace the seat on the U.S. Supreme Court left vacant by the deceased Justin Ruth Bader Ginsburg. What does this have to do with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in unknown tongues? The following sentence is from the October 2, 2020 feature in The Week on page 16. Barrett and her husband belong to a relatively obscure, charismatic Catholic group called People of Praise, which believes in divine healing, prophecy, and speaking in tongues. End of quote. I suspect speaking in tongues is about to get some extra attention. Note the writer's attempt to marginalize with the phrase, uh, phrase relatively, relatively, excuse me, obscure. There is nothing obscure about charismatic Catholics, which typically means they were baptized in the Holy Ghost as they were on the day of Pentecost, and they speak in new tongues, along with demonstrating other Holy Ghost gifts. Nearly 50 years ago, I personally encountered charismatic Catholics, and I'm sure this wasn't the group's beginning. The ones I met were some of the most active laborers in their church, striving for ward-ordered change. In Acts, Jesus promised powers to his church in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. This power of the Holy Ghost launched the early reign of the church, beginning with a small group hiding for fear of the Jewish authorities. It has since become a supernatural, world-changing ministry of reconciliation. They've received power. They've received the baptism in the Holy Ghost. There is a former reign bringing about the full beginning of the church and a latter reign, which is the final reign before the harvest of the world's reconcilable souls. The latter reign looms imminent and may have already begun in certain areas of the world. Great persecution will come against the church as it did in the beginning, but the harvest of the lost sons and daughters of Adam will be breathtaking. Saints, we are going to need full Holy Ghost power. The baptism in the Holy Ghost with the initial manifestation of speaking in unknown tongues did not begin in the early 1900s. A mighty revival occurred in those days. Speaking in tongues began on the Jewish feast of Pentecost nearly 2,000 years ago, and it has been present in the church continually. It is estimated that as many as 585 million or one out of four of the world's confessing Christians speaks in unknown tongues, which is a supernatural language that the individual speaking does not understand. When Jesus describes what a believer should look like, he says in Mark 16, 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues." Non-believing clergy disagree with Jesus Christ in this matter. Man was made to interface with the Spirit of God. Adam was created by God out of dirt, and God breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and Adam became a living soul. 
But Adam and Eve rejected God's word and embraced Satan's word. They died that very day, even though they lived on in the flesh for hundreds of years. Genesis 2.17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Note that Adam died at the age of 930. No date for Eve's death is mentioned. Adam and Eve died the second death first. Therefore, all their children were spiritually stillborn in need of the Savior that they might be born again, this time of the Spirit of God. Ephesians 2, 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. John chapter 20, 21 through 23. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Through his only begotten Son, God breathes on his creation, his disciples, once again. Just days later, they are baptized in the Holy Ghost at Jerusalem. Jesus compares the Spirit of God to the wind in John chapter 3. Now consider Acts 2, 2 through 4. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as the fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, the breath of God. We were made to interface with our Maker, a concept science continually confirms. The following paragraphs are from the God Said, Man Said feature, Neurological Realities of Speaking in Tongues. In 2006, God Said, Man Said published a five-part series dubbed Holy Ghost. In this series, we address the following ten questions. 1. What is the first commandment Christ gives His church? 2. Are people automatically baptized with the Holy Ghost the day they are saved? 3. How did the saints of old get baptized with the Holy Ghost? Number 4. How did the apostles recognize one who was baptized with the Holy Ghost? 5. What is the purpose of the baptism with the Holy Ghost? 6. Do Christians get baptized with the Holy Ghost today? Number 7. Were the baptism of the Holy Ghost gifts of the Spirit and miracles only for the days of the apostles? Number 8. Do the baptism with the Holy Ghost and the nine gifts of the Spirit serve separate functions? 9. Is speaking with new tongues a phenomenon that began in 1906? Is that which is perfect already come? Number 10. How can a Christian receive the baptism with the Holy Ghost today? Take the time to review this series. The charismatic experience, also known by charismatic believers as the baptism of the Holy Ghost, is initially typified by the speaking in unknown tongues. It is receiving special attention in the field of neurology, and as you should suspect, once again, the full veracity of the Holy Scriptures is proven. The title of the God Said, Man Said feature reads, Scientists Study Speaking in Tongues. To those unfamiliar with the concept of speaking in tongues, it is a supernatural ability directly associated with the biblical baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is a God-given language of men or of angels, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, for the edification of the believer and a direct channel to the ear 
of God. But that language is unknown to the speaker. The Apostle Paul testifies of it in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. This is a large supernatural proof that God is. More information on the neurological activity that takes place when one speaks in tongues is reported in the 2009 book, How God Changes Your Brain. The book's authors are Andrew Newberg, M.D., a neurological scientist, and Mark Waldman, author and co-author of 10 books, as well as a lecturer and therapist. They document the measurable changes that take place when one meditates, prays, and sings, and some startling insights into one happens when one speaks in tongues. The following paragraphs are from this book. However, we have discovered that other forms of religious practice have very different neurological effects. In 2003, I brought in members from a Pentecostal church and scanned them while they engaged in the practice of speaking in tongues. To those unfamiliar with this practice, it may sound like a foreign language or babble, but I have heard renditions that reminded me of medieval Italian liturgies and ancient Assyrian poems. For the Pentecostal practitioner, it is an energizing state filled with profound spiritual meaning and joy. Glossolalia, as it is academically called, is not a form of contemplative meditation. Rather, it is a type of spontaneous verbal monologue that may or may not be associated uh, by uh, body gyrations and shaking, similar to ecstatic trances found in various spiritual and shamanic traditions. Editor's note. Keep in mind as you read the next sentence that 1 Corinthians 14.14 reads, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. The knowing part of the brain is not engaged. Dr. Newberg continues. Instead of focusing one's attention on a specific phrase or ideal, which increases activity in the frontal lobe, the practitioner surrenders voluntary control and thus a significant degree of ordinary consciousness by deliberately slowing down frontal lobe activity. This, in turn, allows the limbic areas of the brain to become more active, which neurologically increases the emotional intensity of the experience. When we analyzed the research from all of our studies, we found that different parts of the brain produced different experiences that affected the way we perceive or think about God, the universe, our mind, and our lives. For example, our frontal lobes the newest part of the human brain, provide us with a logical concept of a rational, deliberate, and loving God, while our limbic system, the oldest part of the brain, creates an emotionally meaningful experience of God. Our brain scan studies of contemplative forms of Buddhist and Christian meditation show that when activity and the parietal areas decreases— a sense of timelessness and spacelessness emerges. This allows the meditator to feel at one with the object of contemplation, with God, the universe, peacefulness, or any other object upon which he or she focuses. However, when Pentecostals speak in tongues, parental activity increases. This gives them the sense that a separate entity is communicating with them, end of quote. Now note the biblical statements paralleled with today's science. A. 
Bible, Isaiah 28, verse 12, to whom he said, This is the rest, wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Science, an energizing state filled with profound spiritual meaning and joy. B. Bible, 1 Corinthians 14, 14, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Science, the practitioner surrenders voluntary control, and thus a significant degree of ordinary consciousness. Category C. Bible, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Science. However, when Pentecostals speak in tongues, parallel activity increases. This gives them the sense that a separate entity is communicating with them. Category D. Bible. 1 Corinthians 14. 14. Again, it says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Science. Since the parallel area also plays a role in language formation and articulation, it makes sense that we would see this type of activity during the Pentecostal experience. The skeptics clamor for proof, yet they refuse to see. Isaiah twenty-eight eleven and 12 again reads, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. End of quotes. In the following applicable references, you'll find some needed redundancies, along with new information concerning the marvelous God-to-man design interface. The New York-based Dana Foundation, a philanthropic organization dedicated to advancing brain research, lists its goals as to develop a better understanding of the brain and its functions— to speed the discovery of treatments for brain disorders, and to combat the stigma of brain disorders through education. In 2013, the Dana Foundation published the following article titled, Speaking in Tongues, Glossolalia, and Stress Reduction. Excerpts follow. At the heart of the Pentecostal experience is the act of speaking in tongues known as glossolalia what goes on in the brain of people engaging in this unusual form of utterance. Recent neurological research has shown that glossolalia may be a more directed activity than previously believed and may play a direct role in diffusing stress reactions, end of quote. Again, now remember 1 Corinthians fourteen fourteen, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now back to the Dana Foundation's article. In 2006, glossolalia rekindled the interest of researchers after neuroscientist Andrew Newberg and associates at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine recorded single-photon emission computerized tomography, SPECT, scans of active glossolalist. Hymn singers were used as controls. Unlike people engaged in attention-focusing tasks, like mindful meditation, 
People speaking in tongues while being scanned show decreased cerebral flood flow activity to the prefrontal cortices. Glossolalia brain function appears to be more similar to other trance-like states in which the frontal lobe activity diminishes as the person loses their sense of purposefully performing the practice, said Newberg in an interview for this article. In some sense, it is the opposite of the concentrative process of meditation and the quote. 1 Corinthians 14.32, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Remember this. The article continues. Under close observation, glossolalic utterances are beginning to look more like goal-directed actions and less like involuntary outbursts. In the Newberg study, subjects claim to have no control over their speech patterns during an episode of glossolalia, but they were able to begin tongue-speaking more or less on demand while being scanned. It seems to be something that someone can ready themselves to do, but once they are fully into it, they experience being taken over by it, Newberg said. As one glossolalius explained, when I am speaking in tongues, I generally do not exercise control over the syllables that I am speaking. However, at all times, I have full control over the pitch, volume, clarity of pronunciation, whether to cease or pause, etc., end of quote. The Holy Ghost is called the Comforter and brings peace. John fourteen twenty six and 27. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Keep these verses in mind as you read the next excerpt from the Dana Foundation article. If glossolalia is partially voluntary but does not affect the brain like concentrative meditation, then what exactly does it do? In a 2011 report in the American Journal of Human Biology, biological anthropologist Christopher Lynn and co-workers at the University of Albany define glossolalia as an embodied pattern of religious behavior with biological outcomes, and tentatively demonstrated that one of those outcomes may be the reduction of biological stress. Lynn's team found that glossolalia was associated with both a reduction in circulatory cortisol and enhancements in alpha amylase enzyme activity, two common biomarkers of stress reduction that can be measured in saliva. Cortisol is a stress hormone responsible for the familiar stress response known as the flight-or-fight reaction. Alpha-amylase is an arousal enzyme that is sensitive to quick environmental changes and involves adrenaline release in the sympathetic nervous system. Lynn's study of 52 Pentecostals and New York's Hudson Valley found that the experience of glossolalia dampened reactions to normal daily stressors. I was comparing both biomarkers on Sunday and Monday because I wanted to see if people with more glossolalia experience would have less reactive nervous systems as though their experience had caused them to be less anxious people in the face of stress, as meditation is reputed to do, Lynn said. On Sunday, Lynn found that cortisol levels were high for all churchgoers in the study, as expected. 
On Monday, Lynn said, I predicted people with more glossolalia experience would have lower cortisol, which they generally did. Amylase is a little more difficult to interpret, but the higher rate of amylase among those with more glossolalia experience on Monday is interpreted as greater stability. As for glossolalia, Lynn notes that religion has been referred to as a super-stimulator, exploiting numerous basic cognitive mechanisms in a synergistic way, end of quote. The title of the November 7, 2006 article in the New York Times reads, A Neuroscientific Look at Speaking in Tongues. Several paragraphs follow. The amazing thing was how the brain images supported people's interpretation of what was happening, said Dr. Andrew B. Newberg, leader of the study team, which included Donna Morgan, Nancy Wintering, and Mark Waldman. The way they describe it and what they believe is that God is talking through them, he said. Miss Morgan, a co-author of the study, was also a research subject. She is a born-again Christian uh, who says she considers the ability to speak in tongues as a gift. You're aware of your surroundings, she said. You're not really out of control, but you have no control over what's happening. You're just flowing. You're in a realm of peace and comfort, and it's a fantastic feeling. Contrary to what may be a common perception, Studies suggest that people who speak in tongues rarely suffer from mental problems. A recent study of nearly 1,000 evangelical Christians in England found that those who engaged in the practice were more emotionally stable than those who did not, end of quote. The Christian Post writes under the heading, Medical Study Proves Validity of Speaking in Tongues. In 2008, the University of Pennsylvania released findings from a medical study proving that the practice of speaking in tongues is sourced by the Holy Spirit. In the study, participants' brain activity was monitored while they spoke in tongues, giving the medical researchers scientific insight into the parts of the brain active while speaking in these heavenly tongues, and the results were astonishing. It is this a spiritual phenomenon that Dr. Andrew Newberg, while at the University of Pennsylvania, set out to find an explanation for what most regard as unexplainable. While trying to discover the relationship between faith and science, his study quickly ascertained that speaking in tongues is absolutely not regular language. Newberg states to ABC News, it is not language, it is not regular language at least, that would normally activate the frontal lobe of the brain. Newberg shares the heart of his study. If we're really going to look at this very, very powerful force in human history of religion and spirituality, I think we really have to take a look at how that affects our brain. What's what's changing or turning on or turning off in our brain during those extremely deep and powerful moments of faith? And remarkably, he discovered that what's happening to the test subjects when they pray in tongues neurologically looks a lot like what they say is happening to them spiritually. When the test subjects prayed in their native language, their brain activity indicated normal behavior for speech in the frontal lobe. However, when the same test subjects prayed in tongues, their brain activity showed something extremely different. The test subject scan showed that the frontal lobe, the part of the brain that controls language, was active when he prayed in English, but for the most part it fell quiet when he prayed in tongues. Dr. Newberg confirmed this finding, saying, When they are actually engaged in this whole very intense spiritual practice for them, their frontal lobes tend to go down in activity, 
but I think it's very consistent with the kind of experience that they have because they say that they are not in charge. It's the voice of God, the Spirit of God that's moving through them. End of quotes. This final paragraph was published by Communion with God Ministries. The feature was written by Dr. Mark Verkler, and it's titled Health Benefits of Speaking in Tongues. It reads, Dr. Carl Peterson, M.D., conducted a study at ORU in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Being a brain specialist, he was doing research on the relationship between the brain and praying or speaking in tongues. He found that as we pray in the Spirit or worship in the Spirit, our heavenly language, the brain releases two chemical secretions that are directly uh, that, that are directed, excuse me, into our immune systems, giving a 35 to 40 percent boost to the immune system. This promotes healing within our bodies. Amazingly, this secretion is triggered from a part of the brain that has no other apparent activity in humans and is only activated by our spirit-led prayer and worship. End of quote. These are the final days, and they will be exceedingly dark. It is a comfort to know that the baptism in the Holy Ghost is more, much more than a match, exceedingly more. We have been designed by our God to interface with His Spirit. We need to be about it. Some of you have yet to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Some of you have tried to be filled numerous times without success and Feel it to be impossible. That changes today. Some of you have been filled and spoken other tongues, but had the experience either rarely or never happened again. That changes today. Click on to the God Said, Man Said, Holy Ghost series and expect your miracle in feature number five. However, you must not skip ahead. When visiting feature number five, be sure you are alone or with others who are there for the same purpose you will receive. God said, Mark sixteen seventeen and 18, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. God said, Acts 2, 1 through 4, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God said, Acts chapter 19, 1 and 2. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Man said, Speaking in tongues is sheer emotionalism. It's a foolishness the small-minded Christians participate in. Now you have the record. 